This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. They seem like they have a priority on bringing back a veteran presence in the quarterback's room. So I think there's a push to bring Nathan Peterman back on the practice squad if possible. He was cut today. Uh, They can also scour the waiver wire claim if they want to find a veteran presence at that position that they think makes more sense. That's obviously a lot more difficult when you're bringing in a new guy trying to teach him a building, teach him a system. But those are the two things uh, initially that jump out. I have some questions about the quarterback position, but I want to start with the guys who got the bad news today and and ask you about a couple of those, maybe uh, what the rationale for cutting Kendall Vildor and Travis Gibson. So Travis Gibson is somebody who had a very strong preseason. I felt like in in his final game last Saturday against the Bills, he he showed he had a strip sack. And I think in, in the previous game, he looked like somebody who had played at a, at a high level based on he was motivated by being buried on the depth chart or whatever the case. Kendall Vildor, he played a lot of football for the Bears, not necessarily going to bemoan the loss of somebody who was inconsistent and who may they may have upgraded in terms of talent and replacing him. But I ask you this, Dan, if Travis Gibson, just based on football performance during the preseason, did he make the team and was he cut for financial reasons? And if that's the case, does that contradict maybe the – football reasons that were cited in cutting PJ Walker and Alex Leatherwood guys who's, you know, they had big, they had money that the bears ate. Why were they not willing to do the same thing with Travis Gibson? If that indeed is the case. So let's start with that because uh, Ryan Poles and Ian Cunningham will meet with the media on Wednesday afternoon at house hall. And that's one of the top topics I think we need to get to with them is just what was it that, that didn't allow Travis Gibson to stay as part of the, plan here. This is a guy who uh, was obviously productive when this regime came in. He had those seven sacks in 2021, five fumbles forced that year as well, which is the ball production that is a big part of the <laughs> the hits principle. Uh, it didn't show up last year, and he had seemed to have a pretty decent spring, and, and it started to camp pretty well, and for some reason, he fell out of favor and wasn't able to kind of earn their confidence. You know, it, it, I don't think this is financially related for the reasons you just mentioned. They've sort of made a public declaration that that money is not going to be the driving force with a lot of the decisions they made. And it clearly wasn't with PJ Walker. It clearly wasn't with Alex Leatherwood. Um, and so it's just going to be a, an interesting explanation from Ryan and Ian uh, to kind of give us a better feel for, for what it was that didn't make Travis part of the plans. Kendall Vildor, I think, is a, a perfect example of what happens when a roster starts to get better. You've got right. a day three pick, uh, a guy who was fine when he was called into action, was never great. Well, now you went out and you, you made two investments in draft picks with Tyreek Stevenson, who's going to start for you on open day, with Terrell Smith, who they have high hopes for. You've got Jalen Johnson. You have Kyler Gordon, who you drafted a year ago. You've got guys in Jalen Jones and Josh Blackwell who can help you on special teams. That's a casualty that happens when you're upgrading a roster. And so we wish Kendall all the best. Certainly wish Travis all the best. I think he's going to hopefully find himself a, a situation uh, that, that suits him better. And it'll be very interesting to monitor his progress in 2023 because he has played successful football at this level. And now it's a, a matter of trying to get that back out of him. Let's look at that defensive end position, Dan. Then I count five defensive ends yeah. that made the initial 53 guys who maybe 
uh, mild surprises, Rasheem Green, Terrell Lewis, obviously guys who had strong preseasons themselves, who were part of the new regime's fines, if you will. And then Dominic Robinson, who I think still, to me, seems a little like a project, but certainly a draft pick, their first draft with the Ryan Poles regime. And then the the veterans who they added via free agency outside the organization, Demarcus Walker and Enique Ngakwe. Yeah. You know, with Dom, like this is a guy that it needs to show up. You know, he had that flashy debut as a rookie a year ago against the 49ers. And you thought, man, they really found themselves a diamond in the rough. And then the production wasn't there for the remainder of the year. It hasn't been super consistent through training camp or in preseason action when he's been out there. And so you want to see some flashes. You want to see some things to believe in as soon as September 10th when the Packers come to town. And so, uh, look, that's a, a group they feel good about. Uh, Demarcus Walker didn't practice really at all in August. And Ikan is trying to find his way here. So I, I think – you're right to scratch your head a little bit with this group of uh, in in saying that it's an unknown quantity going to the starting gate of the season opener, and to some extent, so is the 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 defensive tackle position, where two of the biggest things that that absolutely killed this team in 2022 was their inability to rush the pass and their inability to stop the run. Those are two pretty big things to play in winning football. We don't know if they're going to be able to do it uh, much better than they did a year ago. I think obviously the reason tells you it'll be better, but how much better is a, a total mystery. I really do have questions about the interior of that defense still, even after three preseason games and and seeing uh, where they have upgraded in theory on paper. But I still think that um, I don't know if I have 100% trust that they are that much better able to stop the run. I want to ask one last question about about the edge rushers, and I don't want to dwell on it necessarily. I get that. I'm not going to change my season projection based on the fact that Travis Gibson isn't here. But if I were to ask you to – rank uh, the most productive defensive ends in in the preseason for the Bears, he wouldn't go far down the list before you'd see his name. Right, he'd be right behind Terrell Lewis, really, on this roster. Terrell Lewis, right, would be probably the the guy who flashed the most, and then Travis Gibson would be next, and then I wonder if they're keeping guys just because they drafted them or they're keeping guys just because they found them, and I wonder about that sometimes. Again, I, I want more clarity on this from from Ryan and Ian on Wednesday. Hopefully, they'll be able to provide it. Um, you know, Travis is certainly not a guy that has attitude issues. He's certainly not a guy that 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 rocks the boat inside the locker room. A hard worker, humble kid, um, gives you everything he has. They they sang his praises as recently as this week with Ellen right. Williams and Matt Eberflus doing it from from the dais. And so, um, yeah, I mean that's that's it. You you ask a good question. I wish I had a better answer for you today. Probably the next time we talk, I will. Let's move on to the quarterback position because a lot of people talking about what's going on with the Bears. It's somewhat uh, – it, it, it's a great story kind of un- because it's a little unexpected. The number two quarterback as we sit here today is Tyson Bajan, the Division two product from Shepherd University in, in uh, West Virginia, somebody who – we didn't know much about him going into preseason, and certainly he was just kind of a mystery. Now he's become right now the number two quarterback. Dan, they – Cut P.J. Walker, and they still owe him some money. They guaranteed him uh, $2 million, I believe. And they have you know, released Nathan Peterman with the idea of bringing him back on the practice squad. Matt Eberflus was somewhat coy. I don't want to say indir- – but indirectly suggested that they would like to bring a veteran into that room. Do you think a guy like Trevor Simeon, who was cut by the Bengals, qualifies as a candidate to be that guy? Or do you think it's going to be someone else or no one at all? I, I think it will be someone. 
I think okay. it will be someone. Like I say, I think I think Nathan Peterman is a guy that they would like to have back on the practice squad if they don't find something better. I don't know about Trevor at this point. Obviously, he would have the experience in the system, experience with Justin, the experience with Luke that would, uh, you know, at least give you a reason to think about it if that's the way you wanted to go. But if you wanted to go that route, you probably would have kept him around to begin with last spring. Um, look, like Matt, I used the word wishy-washy when I asked him directly <laughs> – on Tuesday, if, if if he was ready to go to week one and Soldier Field against the Green Bay Packers with Tyson Bagent as his number two quarterback. And while he said that that tra- uh, Tyler, good glare, that Tyson has put his best foot forward, uh, that, that you know, the, they were still waiting to finalize the roster. And so he didn't say, yes, that's a, a declarative, you know, undisputed number two quarterback. And so I'll be really interested to see kind of what direction they go in the next couple of days with that. Tyson Bagent has shown some things on tape that are really, really impressive in terms of obviously not, not only the timing and the rhythm and the poise, but the way he moves in the pocket, there were things against the bills on Saturday afternoon, David, that on a second and third watch, you go, man, this is it. Like this is some of the stuff they're trying to, to get Justin to do. Justin's always going to be a much more explosive athlete, a much more uh, dynamic playmaker, better arm strength, all those things. The way Tyson Bajan can can slide up in the pocket and then slide out, the way he kind of surfs that pocket, the way they talk about doing it, there there are there are signs there that it's it's pretty proficient, and so you understand why they want to continue to develop that and see sure. if there is a diamond in the rough. And it also, when we talk about trying to, to to have a safety net beneath you in case Justin Fields doesn't become what you hope he becomes. This gives you a jump start on that a little bit. You know, this gives you a guy in-house that you can start to take a look at and you don't have to start, you know, dreaming about all the draft capital you'd have to get up to get in the quarterback sweepstakes of the 2024 draft. You may be able to do what the 49ers did and and, and say, oh, Trey Lance didn't work out. Jimmy Garoppolo didn't work out. Well, guess what? We, we found a diamond in the rough in Brock Purdy. And so now you have, you know, 18 weeks. From this point forward, to, to kind of explore if that that is something that's in your cards, and I think that's that's notable uh, as much as anything else. Yeah, I don't want to call it the best case scenario because that would include Justin Fields not living up to potential. But I think that your emergency plan is that ideally he is your Brock Purdy to Trey Lance, he is your Kirk Cousins to RG three, right? Because he was Cousins going back was a fourth round pick, not expected to do much. He was the backup to RG three. And then you look at what happened in with those two guys and their their careers. That's way ahead of ourselves. What I did like about Bajent against the Bills in the preseason finale was his footwork. And I didn't expect that. His mobility, which I also didn't know much about, but he definitely, as confident as he is just in the huddle and at the line of scrimmage, he's he's not exactly shy in terms of running the football. He didn't seem like he was scared of anything. Here's the one thing, too, that what that I think you can get into trouble as a young quarterback when you're not scared of anything. He throws the ball with conviction, and he throws the ball before receivers yeah. make a break. He throws guys open or he throws the ball where he, they should be. You've got to be uh, – you've got to have communication 100% with the receivers, and you have to have that innate sense of where they're going to go to be right and he's going to be wrong. And I think sometimes we saw it on, we saw it maybe against the bills. I wonder if that's going to get in the way, even though you like his confidence, you wonder he's got to find a balance there between knowing exactly what's going to happen and throwing the ball where he wants it. 
What's your over under on when the city of Chicago starts calling for Tyson Bagent to be the starter? Halloween? <laughs> you know, it depends on how effective Justin Fields is. That's I joke, but I, then again, I don't, right? Like I, I, we know Chicago. Halloween's wishful thinking if Justin Fields starts one and three and he's in he's below 60% completion percentage. There will be people clamoring for the backup quarterback who is always the most popular bear in town. Right. And so the, the other one of the other things from from Saturday that I liked about Tyson Bajan is is I actually gave him an out to kind of uh, wiggle out of the interception he threw because of what happened on the play where you, you've got kind of a rub rub route concept and, and you're expecting the defender on the slot receiver to kind of follow your guy out to the flat. And instead he takes depth and runs into the guy that pre-snap you're expecting to throw the football to. So Tyson Bajan gets locked and loaded to throw the ball to Darius Fountain. And then Darius Fountain runs into the, 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 the defensive back that's covering Simba Webster. And it, the ball gets easily intercepted. Meanwhile, Simba Webster is wide open in the right flat. And I said, is that, is that just a, a, a case where, you know, you can't really expect that collision to happen. And, and, and you, you, you know, it's just one of those fluky things. And he said, no, like I have to, I have to see that collision coming and adjust accordingly and understand that my flat route receiver in this case, Simba Webster is wide open and get the ball to him. And so uh, just that, 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 that understanding of what went wrong and, and, and what his ownership and responsibility in it was, was, was impressive to me as well. I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves because it'll create too much, uh, just hubbub in in terms of the you know how this relates to Justin, but it relates to Tyson Bajan because they they felt confident enough to let a guy that they paid uh, you know two million dollars in guaranteed money in March and thought was going to be their veteran backup in the room go. And if Tyson Bajan doesn't perform like he did in the month of August, they may be sitting there with PJ Walker on their roster and, and a, a bottle of Excedrin by the nightstand, <laughs> you know, going what did we just do? And now they get they they at least give themselves the. The, the conviction that they've got another option and that they, they, they can own that mistake. I said two weeks ago that one of the things I was interested to see is whether Ryan Poles would have uh, that in him to, to admit a mistake like that, because that the PJ Walker signing goes as a loss in his column. There's no question about it. No matter what Tyson Bajan did, you, you, you swung and you missed on a backup in a year. That's it's pretty pivotal to have someone in that room. So um, that's another little notable footnote on this whole conversation. You mentioned Doris Fountain. He was one of the receivers that was let go and released. You also Simba Webster, somebody who had his moments during training camp. I think those are just people who are really paying close attention. And that is our audience of people who are paying very close attention. <laughs> they know the names when we say them and guys who may have flashed during training camp. Um, the, the, a couple other names getting back to the roster decisions. And I think guys who may, you can envision being part of the 16 man practice squad. Right. Micah Baskerville had a very strong preseason and he was one of the players that did not make the initial 53. Travis Bell, the seventh-round draft pick uh, from Kennesaw State, who yeah, is a very easy guy to pull for and to like yep. as well and has had his share of moments. Those are two guys whose names may have stood out, uh, Dan, to me in terms of young players that look promising and may be still part of the organization. Anyway, yeah, well, out to you. Super point there because when I got in the league covering this league, you know, 12 years ago, it was an eight man practice squad and then it was a 10 man practice squad. And now it's ballooned to a 16 man practice squad. And the Bears, by the way, will have a 17 man practice squad most likely this season because they get an exemption for Roy Embedica, who's part of the International Pathway Player Program that, uh, you, you know, gives him an opportunity to continue developing with with this special exemption. There are going to be a lot of guys that are on this cut list today that are back at practice on on Thursday afternoon. At Hallis Hall. Travis Bell, most likely one of them. Baskerville is a guy they certainly will have back on the practice squad. I wouldn't be shocked if somewhere, somewhere, 
uh, somehow someone decided to, to put in in a claim for him. That'll be one worth worth keeping an eye on because he flashed. And and there are people around the league and and, and people who observe it closely that said, man, like this dude's got it instinctually. Uh, so that's one to keep an eye on. Um, look, I know we always kind of uh, overestimate the the ability to get guys through waivers, but that's the one that I, I'm most curious to see. Uh, if there's any risk in losing him because he is on waivers. But other than that, you mentioned Webster and Fountain and, and these guys and Peterman, you know, all candidates to be back here again on Thursday. And so, again, like I always say, like next Wednesday or next Tuesday, let's take a look at that 53 plus 17. And then we've got our full analysis of what the Bears look like right now. A lot of things are, are, are still very fluid. 